Welcome to the J2 Hub podcast, where we focus on everything from property development, hot entrepreneurially business topics, and real life scenarios facing business owners just like you and I. Brought to you by James Sahota, we bring you exciting real life property, business, and entrepreneurially related hot topics, and that little bit more. So, welcome everybody to another episode of the J2 Hub podcast. Uh, this afternoon, I'm joined by another duo who are working in property, doing some fantastic things. It was a bit of a nightmare for me getting into the office this afternoon because my son decided to lock the office door and run away with the key. Uh, and I was panicking like mad trying to find the key. And obviously, when you're trying to talk to a four-year-old and ask him where something is, he's leading you around <laughs> the house and you just don't know what's going on. But anyway, less of that. Today, guys, I am joined by George and Hannah from Dugard Properties. Thank you very much for joining me, guys, on this lovely Friday afternoon. Thank you for Thanks having us. No worries at all. Guys, I'm, I've seen you about everywhere recently in the last month. You guys have just, I feel you have blown up. You're everywhere. Wherever I turn, I see George and Hannah or I see Dugard or I see people saying, oh, it's that guy who's a lord. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is like, whoa, how do you become a lord? So I Googled it and I was like, whoa. I can buy a bit of land and I can become a lord. And I was like, and I told my wife about it. She's like, no, you're still a twat. And I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> i tell you what, it's the worst present I've ever bought in. I'm going to have to start using that as a personal brand now. Yeah, no. I'm going to have to start using it a bit more because people are starting to know me as a lord. <laughs> so, guys, listen, I want to start off by asking you that. George, what is this lord business all about, man? Tell me, tell me, what is it? What's going on? So the background behind it was there were Hannah's... Uh, one of Hannah's good friends, uh, she basically bought a lordship for her, her boyfriend and he was like buzzing about it. Like, oh, I've got this lordship, I'm a lord. And um, I was saying to Hannah, I want to be a lord. So, so then one day on Christmas, Hannah literally <laughs> bought me like the certificates and everything. So I've literally got a bit of land in Cumbria in a castle that gives me the titleship to be a lord. So, so yeah, that's pretty much how it happened. And it, it was only £25 as well, so I, I recommend it. <laughs> oh, bonus, bonus. Yeah, I did look into that because I did a little Google search. And then I got really excited because I thought, do you know what? Next time I'm abroad and I'm in one of these nice hotels and you walk in and it says Lord in front of your name, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm normally quite good at getting um, upgrades on flights. I've managed to wing myself. Um, people say, James, how do you do it? I've managed to wing myself like business class flights and quite a few journeys in the past for for nothing that is um so i thought if i had the title lord like george has got where else could that get me and then i started talking to my wife about it and she just said to me no james you're you're, you're just a twat and i thought oh come on leave it out okay well that clears that one out what a lovely present guys i want to start by asking i'm going to work backwards i know most podcasters will ask you oh you know, who are you? I'm going to come to that later on. What I want to ask you guys is, what is the end goal for George and Hannah? What is your why? And why are you doing all this? Why why are you doing this? Um, Freedom, more than anything. Um, We've got a massive love for travel. And there's so many places we still want to see. Um, So that's a big factor. We wanted to build a, a business that we can scale and do from anywhere. Um, but property kind of just shouted out for that, yeah. didn't it? And it's something that we can do together and we enjoy. And I think a, a massive thing for the both of us is when we do come to have a family, 
we want to be able to spend the time with the kids we don't want them being brought up by nannies um and again now a property kind of fit that element as well isn't it and it's definitely and it's also uh being able to give back as well in the future so for example when we've been traveling we've experienced firsthand in places like africa where you know they're a lot less fortunate than us mm-hmm. so we'd be we'd love the fact like being able to go over to places like that and do projects, for example, building wells, helping within their education system, just all that sort of thing to give back. Um, but another fit, another goal of ours is to um, invest in startup businesses and help, uh, you know, people with ambitions and great mm. ideas sort of become a reality and that their dream, you know, aid them in their dreams becoming a reality. So that's another another big goal of ours. Yeah, we basically want to be dragons on Dragon's Den. Yeah. <laughs> Your love for travel, guys how did it start how did it start your love for travel so different things at different times i think so for me um at the time i was uh in in the law and it was something that i really really wasn't enjoying and um i wanted a bit more freedom so at that stage i needed a break from you know all the law and everything that was involved in it so i went off traveling to sort of you know they say find yourself sort of thing um, and when I was there, I just, I just, to be honest, I loved it. I loved all the different cultures. I loved meeting new people, loads of new people. I just loved seeing new things and doing new things as well. And um, that's actually where we met each other. Mm. So um, I'll also let Hannah speak a bit about why uh, she has the ambition to travel. Yeah, so I honestly, travel never used to be a big thing for me. My sister is younger than me. She went off and did two years in Australia. And at the time, I still had no desire to do that. The thought of being in hostels, honestly, no one would have ever thought I would have been into wanting to be a traveller. I was probably five or six years into my kind of corporate job. And I just literally one morning, I was just like, I want to, I want to, I want to travel. And I'd spoken about it with friends. And I think it was just that I love holiday, love being in the sun. And I just wanted that for an extended period of time. So everyone said I wasn't going to do it. No one said I was going to stick to it. It took a sabbatical in work. It just completely changed my perception on life. It changed. I know it's that kind of, that was the word I'm looking for. Same old, it changed me. I found myself monarchy. <laughs> but it really did make me see things through a different light. Uh, and like George said, I did a lot of stuff like when I was in Cambodia, I went to orphanages and I just saw just a new part of the world that I never thought I would have experienced. And I just, I was hooked. Met George then traveling and we just love now going to new places constantly and wanted to go back doing that long term instead of just city breaks here and there i suppose you can almost draw the analogy to uh business as well it's like new things all the time mm. and it you know it's quite it's quite a close relationship really in business there's things changing all the time and you're seeing new things and you're doing new things whereas it, it's the same with traveling yeah oh that's fantastic guys i want to ask you i asked uh, somebody else this on a podcast how did you two meet I know it's a bit of a per- it's a bit of a personal question, but I think it helps people see who's behind George and Hannah because uh, the last people I interviewed they had a very very interesting story, and I'm hoping you've got a very interesting story as well. Um, yeah, well, if it- I tell it, I tell it the right way. Wait, can we ask how explicit? Explicit. <laughs> 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 No, if I say it, I'll tell it the right way. So, George, you've been travelling how long already? About seven months. Seven months or so. I had been travelling all of two weeks. I'd been and met friends in New Zealand, did two weeks. This was my first time. I 
caught a flight over to Malaysia and it was my first part of my trip on my own. Um, so I'd walked into the hostel room, the dormitory I was staying in, there was three people in there, one being George. I think I sheepishly said hi and then like ran out to go and have lunch with the new friend I met five minutes ago. And then on in that, um, we were in a hostel in Kuala Lumpur and that hostel had a rooftop bar. So you would be out with people you were traveling with and was got drunk somewhere and we ended up both being on this rooftop bar. So I wasn't all that drunk at this point, but he was steaming. And he just started following me around the rooftop. <laughs> I, I remember, I think he came up to me at one point and he was like, don't you like me? I was like, I don't know you. He was like, well, why won't you kiss me? I was like, what? All right, I, all right. I walked up to his friend and I was like, he finds a freak. Get him away from me. <laughs> but the next day, we ended up being on the same bus, traveling to a different part of Malaysia. And obviously he was sober then. So I was thinking like, Oh, he's, he's not a weirdo now. <laughs> he's actually all right. And we were together. I think we formed a little group that we'd, we'd stayed together for yeah. about 10 days. And we actually got on really well. Um, separated, went different ways then. You carried on traveling for a month, maybe. I traveled then for six months. Kind of stayed talking now and again on Facebook. And then I came home in the November and then George, he was living in the Isle of Wight. I was obviously in Wales. You came and visited in May yeah, for a weekend and then been together ever since. <laughs> oh, wow. You couldn't get rid of him. <laughs> Distance is key. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. That's another great story. So, so George, you were, pretty, you were pretty much pissed out of your head and you're following her around saying, give me a big kiss. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. I mean... Persistence is key at the end of the day, isn't it? <laughs> Mate, I, 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 I like your style. <laughs> so, guys, when you when you came back to the UK, um, how did you guys, when did you both decide, that's it, let's do property? Where did the property journey begin? Yeah, so at the time, when I got back to the UK, I was in project management of refurbs and also actually doing a lot of hands-on stuff as well. So I was uh, qualified in plastering and rendering. Um, And I was also doing a bit of investing up in London with my dad. Nothing I was heavily involved in, but just learning a little bit in that regard. And and we were just reading books, um, bouncing off family members and what they knew. watching YouTube videos, listening to podcasts, um, taking people out to a restaurant and picking their brains, all those sort of things, and just learning the foundations of property. And it was something we really, really were enjoying, wasn't it? And, yeah, um, and yeah I mean, I was, I, I, I was like sort of apprehensive to take the plunge at the time. And then, uh, and then one day, Hannah had literally just sent me a screenshot of Company's House saying, Dugar Property Limited is now active on Company's House. And then we, from there, we were like, right, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I think it was November 2018. We stumbled across YouTube videos and started reading. And I think then around March, April time, we started properly networking, uh, attending free courses, and then in June, I'd, have an, I'd had enough of the shall we, shall we, shall we, shall we. So forced us to do it. Yeah, so and, I moved yeah. from, I was at the Isle of Wight at this time. So I'd moved from the Isle of Wight, you know, quit all my job and just went off and, and, we, and, we, and we started. Wow, fantastic. <laughs> so I guess looking back, 
you guys like where you say you were travelers you know you've you've kind of gone traveling and you it's a get up and go thing isn't it and Mm -hmm. i think that's very much um apparent in your business as well like you say you just thought forget it i'm leaving the isle of Wight. we're starting a property business leads me on to my next question guys which is about networking and people how important do you feel networking was in your early days networking in the early days i think was extremely important Although George had backgrounds in property and project management, um, when being in Wales, we had no connections in terms of build team. So networking was crucial there. But just in terms of just planting, like laying the foundations for all of it, really, at the beginning, the finding investors, um, finding, because obviously at the very beginning, we were very excited. We wanted to take on the world. Um, by networking that really helped us find yeah it's building your power team so building all the different foundations in a property business through networking Um, but also building those connections as well that you can sort of um, you know ask questions to people that are just a few steps ahead of you that you can like I said earlier take out to Nando's or Mm -hmm. or something like that buy them a Nando's and just pick their brains so networking was absolutely fantastic to set the foundations of a property business. And uh, like I'm sure you agree with that as well, that it's, it's absolutely vital that, that your power team is, is set right from the beginning in order yeah. to you know, push forward in a business. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I hear you. I'm with you on networking. I, I love to speak to people. I love to talk to people. And um, just, just before this podcast, I was talking to someone early in the day and he's like, James, you have offered me up so much value. And I think for me, it's more so kind of giving something back to people because you don't forget all the people that helped you when you started. So Mm. there's no point keeping all that information to yourself and just closing the book. It's Mm. nice when you help someone and they kind of have that light bulb moment and say, you know what? Thank you so much. Everybody else I spoke to wanted to try and take 497 off me or 947 or whatever the magic number is these days everybody wanted to charge me some money so i'm with you i hear your networking i think it's a big big thing and i think people need to continue to do it a lot more uh you know especially in the early days george you talked about um a nando's budget i know somebody else speaks about a nando's budget me and the yellow tea man always disagree about this I like the I like the idea of a Nando's budget, and I also like the idea of training and mentoring. Where do you guys sit in terms of training, mentoring, and courses? What's your opinions on it? Yeah, so I, I think training and mentoring is important, um, and the reason I say that is because when you're at the beginning of your journey and you need direction, especially at the beginning, because at the beginning of your journey. We were, I mean, tell us, tell the story about when we, where we were like going all over the, yeah, all over the, um, all when, over the UK. when we, when we first started, we, like I said, we were so excited and wanted to take on the world. We were literally thinking we were going to cover the whole of the UK for deal sourcing and we were going to cover every strategy. And I had family in Leeds, so George was going to go to Leeds each week, like, what on earth? And it, it took hearing Sam Spencer speak at a PPN event the penny dropped for us um, and I think we wasted a lot of time in the beginning finding our feet to having that guidance on what we wanted to be focusing on and um, so we really like being able to help others do that to kind of save that time I'm of the opinion uh, for training courses I don't think they ever fully teach you everything I don't find them all that practical because they pretty much give you enough to then do a follow-on course Mm. or like we we spoke to someone not long ago 
and they've done a training course, but they don't understand how that's actually related in real life. That what I always say is kind of like learning to drive. You have all these lessons, you're taught how to drive, but you don't actually learn how to drive until you're left on your own to do so. That's when you really drive. Um, I think education is key. I think people do need to understand what, especially for their area, what they're looking at, what they need to be looking for. Um, but I don't agree with some of the hefty price tags that are charged to courses. Mm. In terms of mentoring, I have a different perspective because I think mentoring offers you a whole lot more. Um, I think if you have the right mentor who is a few steps ahead of you, um, they they can challenge you, they can share what they've done and they can direct you you a lot better. They're not just teaching a big, a big room. It's very much more personal. It's looking at what they're doing and offering guidance and mentoring. I agree with. Yeah. So I suppose in hindsight, um, training, we are, I suppose we're quite happy that we didn't end up paying for, you know, expensive training courses, but in hindsight, we, we will we would have got a mentor from early on to direct us um and help us answer any questions we had um and be one-to-one in in that respect yeah it's really strange you say that guys because this is the kind of general consensus i'm getting from everybody who's now somewhat in their journey they're all saying not training courses but mentoring i would have got myself a mentor or i would I'm going to get myself a mentor or I have one. Now I'm very much of a mentor. I have a mentor. I work with a mentor. I work with a weekly, monthly, and you know, it's not so much to grow myself in what I'm doing. It's more so to get the systems and processes in place, which I'm not too great at. You know, I don't want to sit there doing certain tasks. So she has to whip me now and again and get me to do things literally. But mentorship, I think is very important. And it's really nice to have someone on the end of a phone when Mm -hmm. you're struggling and you're thinking at two o'clock in the morning, oh shit, what am I going to do now? You know, and you think, aha, I pay someone a fee to think for me. Yeah. And, you can re- <laughs> and you can re you can reach out and get your questions answered. Yeah. So, guys, do you have a mentor at the moment? We don't, and we keep speaking about it and saying we need to find the right one. And for us, I think it it we it, it helps. I suppose it helps that we have family members as well that are in the property game. My dad's invests up in London so we bounce a lot of questions off him um but I mean we, we keep I think, I think when we start going into developments for example because that is definitely a goal in the next couple of years yeah. we will get a mentor in that aspect um to, to move into that into that aspect of, yeah. but at the moment I think for the rents our three limbs of the business at the moment is the sourcing business the BRR buy to let and flips and then we also have the uh, rent to SA service accommodation business and at the moment i think we are okay with our directions yeah um but i i definitely think when we go into developments we will be looking for a mentor straight yeah. away when we, yeah i think it helps well just having a sounding board because i think when there's the two of us we're very different we've got very different personalities we think very different so sometimes we can get into a bit of heated debates on where we what we want to do george is way more cautious way more reserved very like We'll, ne- we'll never be in trouble because of George. Whereas I'm more impulsive. For our clients, I say this all the time, for our clients it's very different. It's someone else's money so we will always be completely thorough. But when it's for our own investments, I'm like, do it. Let's take on everything. We can do everything. It'll all work. <laughs> Whereas George, he never wants to pull the trigger. I'm too trigger happy. So I think sometimes like a mentor can be like the nice sounding board that could uh, 
guide us sometimes. Yeah, and give their opinion as well. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> nice. have you guys, have the both of you ever done like a, a wealth dynamics personality test to see what, what you actually are as people? Because I'm getting the impression that you, Hannah, are very much maybe a creator, <laughs> if I'm founding rightly. And uh, yeah. George, I don't, I don't know about yourself because I don't know the cautious side because for me, I'm very much like Hannah, very trigger happy. Like, I want to do this. I want to do this. Let's do it right now get it done you know who cares let's spend all our money we can eat beans on toast for the rest of our lives but... <laughs> I don't think there is me. we, we <laughs> have been but we listened we went to a partners and property event and angie nichols was speaking and she did a whole talk on wealth dynamics and we've always said we're going to do one for us and we haven't got around to do it but it would so many people have said they'd like to see Definitely, the i'd like to see that but i think straight away it was quite soon we realized how different we were yeah, in the business, but, it worked well. but it worked well because um we have different skill sets as well that, that are clearly, you know, distinguishable and work as well. Um, so, yeah, we, we probably will do that at some point and we will definitely implement it when we start getting employees because yes. we're looking to get employees soon. And, um, and we'll definitely be using that to look at what their skill sets yeah. are in order to put them in the right, you know, the right um, yeah. areas. Yeah, I highly recommend it, guys. I very highly recommend it. If you guys get a moment to do your own wealth dynamics test you can sit there and look at it number one you can laugh at each other because you can say ah, you're crap you're crap at this i'm great at this and then and then secondly you can really take something from it because when i did my one it really made sense because i looked at it and i thought james this is why you're really shit at this or this is why you're not too good at this and now it's in black and white so <laughs> it really really helps me and I've used it to my advantage in the sense that I have now looked at it and thought, I need to get someone to do this, 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 and this. And that's where we're now looking at VAs, which nice leads me nicely onto my next question. You mentioned employees, George. Yeah. Hannah, what are your opinions on virtual assistants? Yeah, so we're going to take some on. <laughs> We've heard nothing but good stories of VAs. We've, for so long done everything we've been very in the business um not wanting to give anything away because it's our baby but we really want to grow we want to expand we've got some really big goals short term and long term and to achieve that we know we need to start systemizing stuff there's some tasks that aren't generating money the more admin elements of it that we could be outsourcing to free up our time for us to focus on growing the business so we've done what we kept on saying for ages was we were going to look at VAs, we were going to look at systemizing, and we never got round to it. And then COVID-19 hit, and it's really forced us to, well, we're inside, we're locked down, let's plan, let's look at what we could be doing. And through speaking to a load of other investors, we found that VAs uh, are going to be awesome. really yeah. effective. There's um, there's quite a few people that we know that have them and they've given us tips on where they've got their VAs, how they use their VAs and what it's meant for them. So, yeah, we're going to give that a try. Yeah, just, li- just t- making a list of all the sort of tasks that, one, you don't like, and two, that just take up a lot of time that's mm. not profit generating. And if you put that on your notes and you go – Every single day, if you put something down that's you know you don't like or it's not profit generating, mm-hmm. your list would just be like that. And mm-hmm. um, we, we're looking now to start uh, you know recording our screen on exactly what we do and the processes and the systems of what we do. So then, when we speak, start speaking to our VA soon, um, we can uh, literally show them a video on exactly how to do it. Yeah. Um, so then we can pass that over to them, and then they can literally follow the systems um, in place. So then we can be you know, 
focus more on on the business rather than in the business. Yeah. Do you have VAs? I don't at the moment, but funny you should say that. Only last week I had a meeting with Imogen at Freedom Geeks. We had a nice hour-long chat. Uh, and we have, uh, I have interviews lined up for next week to interview some VAs. And George, like you said, recording your screen, I use Loom just to record my screen. And I have been doing that just yeah. to build that all up. And I'm like you, I very much didn't want to give any tasks away. But then I started thinking about some of my long-term goals. And one of the long-term goals was freedom, like you say. And I think the more people I speak to, everybody's like, I want freedom, I want freedom. So I started thinking, how do I get freedom right now? And number one thing is just to get rid of a load of shit off your own plate. Now, if you think about it with a VA, if you give them five hours a week or five hours, sorry, a week, yeah, that's 20 hours a month. Over the year, that's 240 hours, which is 10 extra days in the year. And you think that's cost me 750 quid. Who in their right mind wouldn't give 750 kids for 10 extra days to do something? Uh, that's, when, when you break it down yeah. like that, it sounds absolutely incredible. <laughs> but it, it kind of, like you said, Hannah, you need that kick up your ass. For me, it was kind of COVID-19 and I thought, oh man, I've got all this time on my hands, but I'm trying to create more time. Why yeah. wasn't I doing this months ago? Yeah. You know, it's, it's weird how it works. You're locked up like an animal in your house. You can't really do much and you're trying to create more time when you've obviously yeah. got a lot of time anyway. But I'm, I'm with you guys, man. I'm a real, real strong believer of uh, uh, VAs and I want to try and outsource as much of it mm. as I can because, George, like you mentioned, like making a list of things, that's exactly what I did. I thought, that shit, that shit. I love doing that. I love doing that. I love doing that. I yeah. must give that out. I must give that out. I must give that out. <laughs> and then when I looked at my list in the end, it was like, right, I've broken this down now and all the tasks on there are actually tasks to be working on the business rather than yeah. inside yeah. it. And you always hear that phrase, oh, you should be working on your business, not inside it. And then I thought, okay, the penny's now dropped and it clicks that you've got rid of everything that somebody else could probably do a hell of a lot better than you can. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, you've said it right. (laughs) Guys, you you guys work together, your life partners, business partners. How is that for you? Yeah, go on then. (laughs) <laughs> I, and the way I, we've been asked this quite a lot recently and the way I, how I always say it is at the very beginning oh my god it was challenging that being in a business setting is way different to just laughing and doing what you want and like just as a hobby or being out on a weekend working together especially at a new business we it took us a while to find our feet in sense of what I was good at, what George was good at, what we could focus on, what we would own to then enjoy it. Um, it's re- the, one of the reasons we really like the business and why we want to scale and grow it is because we can do it together and we do enjoy it. But I do think working with your partner, as fun as it is, as rewarding as it is, you do find you snap at each other more than you would if you just worked with someone in an office. But I think you get things done quicker. Yeah, I was just about to say that. And the only the only problem we have is I'm very much a, there has to be a work life balance. Like if it's Friday and it's five o'clock, like my wine is calling. It is my weekend. <laughs> Whereas George would keep going and going. And obviously being in lockdown, we're just in the office. So like he I have to pull him away from the computer to get that balance. I think that's the only problem we have, don't we? Otherwise yeah. it's, it is we're at that stage now where when we first started everyone said it's gonna be so hard to keep going, don't give in. And the fact that there's two of us, we both wanted to quit at different times. So we've kept going, but now we've 
everyone said it'd be a turning point and we've hit that turning point now so now it is just fun isn't it yeah definitely no but that's really that's really good to hear i think sorry george uh, i'll let you crack on there no it's all right go on <laughs> <laughs> That's really nice to hear that you've got a real nice balance because, like you say, it's easy, George. You know, you can sit in your office and you just carry on going, going, going. I'm the same. You know, you carry on going until literally you're at your computer and you're just like, you fall asleep. And for me, that for a long time, that was it. Like, the minute I fall asleep is the minute I need to get up and go to bed now. Um, So it's nice that one of you sees that come five o'clock on a Friday is wine time. I'm with you there. I've got the fridge loaded with a few beers and the weather's nice i'm gonna go and sit out in the garden um guys um let me ask you you business partners life partners who's the boss <laughs> i love it love it i probably i probably i'm gonna to have to admit to that as well yeah like when hannah t- tells me to walk away from things like she's usually right because um you know, there's so many times where I, I would work the 14 hours and I'd get so stressed and I'd find myself being counterproductive as well. Like when I, when I wasn't with, when I wasn't with Hannah before and I was in the law, I found it so, so, so stressful. And I found I just wasn't being productive as much as I could have. But now Hannah's got this new mindset that's, you know, you've got to have a work-life balance. It, it, it's done wonders for me. I'm hardly ever stressed anymore. And I honestly just like enjoy what I'm doing now. And I find myself not being counterproductive and being productive every day now as well, because my mind isn't crammed because I'm stressed. It's all free now. It feels like it's like a, it's like a freedom sort of thing. <laughs> so yeah, um, she's the boss. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get that recorded a little bit? <laughs> you, you are the third lot of couple to say that, that the lady's the boss in the, in the relationship. I think that was answered very wisely, George. I, I would never admit it myself. You know, it's good that the lady said she's the boss guys i want to ask you something as well like i always find that me and me and my wife we work together in a property company she's very very much a silent partner she lets me crack on uh, and get on with things because she's busy in her own career but we do own the firm together um i find through experience that as as a bloke george i didn't very i didn't really listen to my wife on a lot of things you know moving forward and i found that women have this really, really good skill of knowing when someone's right or when someone's wrong or when someone just isn't the right person, you know, or you know this person's not the right person for your power team. Do you guys as a couple find that as well, that Hannah's kind of, you have this sixth sense almost where you can analyse a person and you know, hey, 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 let's keep away from that guy. Whereas George would be like, hey, I want to be your friend. Let's work together. We can do this. We're buddies. Do you like find Hannah's you guys head. have that? I feel like Hannah's head's going to go bigger than the screen. Isn't it? <laughs> That's true. <though. laughs> it is true. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, I suppose it is true. There is a lot of, um, there have been a lot of times where you've sort of got, you've sensed it, haven't you? And it's actually become true. Um, I'm not going to name names, but yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. It is funny. It is a woman thing, though. But I know there's times where I've gone to George, something's not right here. Their tone is different or something's up. And he's like, no, you're looking into it. And then a few days later, something will happen. I'm like, I told you. Yeah. <laughs> I called it. <laughs> it is a woman's thing, definitely. You know, I refuse, I used to refuse to believe it. I've been married for 12 years and I used to think, no, 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 no. She's just talking a load of crap. But, you know... More so over the last five or six years, I've had to take my hat off to my wife and say, look, you know, you were right. And I know what she's thinking. I told you so. I told you so. 
and even recently I'm, I'm having a really bad experience with a with a um a rent to rent agent that i've got um i've been talking about it on a couple of podcasts and again every time i speak to my wife about it she said to me straight james I told you the day you started working with that guy, I got a bad vibe from him. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but look, you know, we've been dealing with him for seven, eight years. We've never really had any late rent. He's been okay. But she goes, I told you he was a nasty person. And when something's now shit's hit the fan, it, I'm right. It, whether it be five years down the line or seven years down the line, I refuse to listen to it. So now what I do very cleverly is I say to her, look, I'm thinking of working with this person. What do you think? Can you analyze them for me? If she says yes, it's a runner. And if she says no, we just very much stay away. And I think, ladies, hats off to you. You've got this really, really good skill. And I hate, I used to hate to admit it, but I'm going to admit it now. You girls have a proper sense that you know someone's a wrong one or they're a good one. I'm liking this podcast. Yeah, you're (laughs) <laughs> guys i i listened to your podcast with i think um is it premier properties yeah yeah, premium property, property, yeah. oh premium property and something that really stood out for me in that podcast is you guys as deal sources are i think you 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 guys do it totally different mm-hmm. and i think one thing that comes across straight away is you actually care about someone who you're working with so you care about your customers you care about your clients and that's so apparent in the way you have things set up and the things you described in this podcast. One thing I wanted to ask you was how important do you think it is for a deal sourcer to be, you know, fully compliant and be thinking about their client rather than being that typical deal sourcer who's thinking, shit, I need to get this deal through so I can earn my fee. 100%. It's all about relationships. Yeah. All about relationships. I think we're both very much people, people's people. I mean, my job in IT was account management. So I was always around clients. I think for us, we're always looking at how best we can, we can work with clients. I couldn't imagine. I honestly don't know how deal sources actually operate if the relationships aren't their key priority. That they must have a short-lived business because it is you're working with people day in day out. I don't understand how anyone can be any different. Yeah, and it's all about um, it's all about the honesty and transparency mm. as well. So just making sure you're always honest and transparent at every single hurdle that you come across. Um, that 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 really is important because if you want the referrals and you want the repeat business, um, you need to be honest and transparent and put your customers first. Um, I think I think relationships is absolutely the heart of a property sourcing yeah. business, and especially in the way that we provide a full package as well. Mm. So we literally do everything from sourcing the property to being the point of contact within conveyancing, so managing the conveyancing through. We then appoint the builders, project manage the whole of the refurb, and then we put a lettings um, manager in place or um, you know an estate agent to sell the property mm. if it's a flip depending on what exit they're looking for um and yet throughout that whole process we we regularly update our clients all the time and just be honest and transparent at every hurdle and just basically build that relationship because we really enjoy the fact that we can you know work with them one-to-one and actually see their results yeah. as well so it's like it's so, so it's such an enjoyment when you you know, we're on a fourth property with one of our clients at the moment and other clients were on the third and second and just seeing them reach their goals. We've reached, you know, we've got to a £2,000 per calendar month income, which was a goal for one of our clients and we've got there now and we're just like, we're so happy and it's just so rewarding, isn't it? Yeah, you've just touched on it. We don't do deal sourcing for quick money. We do it because it's a business. 
and we won't repeat clients like I think I gave an example before we had a client phone and the first thing we'll do is talk through what are your short-term goals what are your long-term goals and let's help you achieve them and she had said she wanted to be able to give each one of her kids um, a property on their 18th birthday and I said how old are your kids and I think they were all under 10 and I was like oh we're working with each other for the next eight years then we will make it happen and more and, and that's our mentality we don't want just one obviously if, if it's male and less then yeah it might just be you might only work with a client once but for our bespoke ones that they're long-term relationships and I wouldn't have her any other way yeah and she didn't think that she could invest in property either because she was only getting around £12,000 a year wasn't she yeah. in private tutoring but we put, you know, we went to, we went so far in order to find a way to make her be able to reach those goals. Mm. So we, we know, we we went through all these brokers and got all the different ways in which we could release equity. And uh, yeah, she's absolutely stunned with yeah. what we've done. So yeah, we go, we we really work hard to to reach um, our our investors' goals. I think the one thing that we always say is when we working with investors, if we're working with their money, especially if they're brand new and you kind of use an, adv- an advisory role at the same time, like we're so precious about how they spend their money. But I always say we treat clients how we would want our parents to be treated. Because if I found out my parents were being scammed by someone or talking to them, oh my goodness, I'd like go nuts. So I'm always, we're always very careful. The boss. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're always very careful. We see, we don't see them as clients though, mm. do we? They become friends. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's how we want it. Yeah, that was the uh, that was a long answer, but yeah. No, you uh, you guys, you can tell that you're passionate. And what I love about you guys is, and your deal sourcing is, it it's very much a hand hand-holding service I find listening to you guys on different podcasts and seeing you on the social media some deal sources are kind of it's it's almost like that kind of typical you know sleazy sales guy deal sourcing could be on that side but what I like about you guys is you you kind of you've mentioned it before you go through the conveyancing you you do the whole build for them you can you've got different levels that they can work at so someone coming in you you're literally holding their hand and walking them down the path and saying how far down this path do you want to go with us? You know, yeah. you can leave here, you can leave at this exit or this junction, or let's keep going and let's keep reinvesting. So I think a couple of people have said it to me. I think it was the yellow tea man. When I spoke to him, he said, they're the best deal sources I've ever worked with, you know, in a conversation. <laughs> and that's, and you know, Ted don't normally say things unless he means them. So she that is, no, yeah, he hates deal yeah. sources. We we did a live with him the other the other day, and we asked for acknowledge. My goodness, Tej is doing a live with deal sources. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there are, like you say, there's those bad apples and there's a the good ones. But what I really love about your stuff is that you're, uh, and it was very apparent that you can hop on or hop on when you'd like so you could find someone to do and they could do the renovation and bits themselves or they just stay with you and you do it all and why wouldn't you if you've got a full-time job and you're and you're using a saucer why wouldn't you just go through the whole hog and let them deal with it because i think people don't realize how difficult deal sourcing is and you know they think oh he's found a property on right movie saved me five grand he's charged him a couple of grand here job done they don't realize the hundreds and hundreds of phone calls you guys make, the relationships you build up and all the, all the legwork that goes behind deal sourcing. And, you know, I, I understand it because um, I wanted to understand the whole process of deal sourcing. And I think people need to realize that a deal sourcer does a hell of a lot of work. Mm-hmm. In fact, they do. I reckon it's probably one of the most labor intensive strategies out there. And it takes a special kind of person to do that. Um, 
What's your thoughts on it in terms of how much time it takes for a deal sourcer to bring a deal to the table? Yeah, so I always pretty much literally put it into the to the maths, really. Um, so I'll put into perspective our first ever deal that we that we did for a client, and uh, we made 120 phone calls, 30 viewings, um, 20 offers, and then only one accepted. So really, what we we tend to say is that we're filtering out all the bad ones and getting the good ones. And like you said as well, you're building up all those relationships so you can get the keys to the property before anybody else. Um, and there's just so much to it and there's not it's not just doesn't end there with our service we've got all the managing conveyancing which is you know a lot going on in that a lot of people think oh you just leave it to the solicitor and that's it no if you want that to go through as quickly as possible Mm -hmm. and you want to get in and you want to get out and get the comparables within the last six months that you want then you need to push that conveyancing through as quickly as possible and who doesn't want to release their money as quickly as possible so they can go again so for using a deal sourcer you know there's a lot of time that that you're outsourcing mm-hmm. to them to be able to push things through as quickly as possible and they're also project managing your refurb as well which moves things along a lot quicker um, and then they're putting you in contact with your tried and tested letting agents or um or yourself or the you know estate agents that can sell the property for you so really it's just like what we were saying earlier about vas you're just outsourcing a part of your business and freeing up your time um so yeah a lot of work goes into deal sourcing and um and uh i I'm glad we enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's good stuff. I mean, I always say to people, like, I get people reaching out to me and saying, oh, James, I've got, I got 100 grand, I've got 50 grand, I want to get started in property. And my advice to them straight away is, look, if you're new and you're working a full-time job, go find yourself a decent deal sourcer who can do this for you because you are going to save yourself a hell of a lot of time. You're going to save yourself a hell of a lot of uh, money. And chances are you're going to save yourself some big, you know, mistakes that you might make so i'm all for it when someone's new and they're running a full-time job mm-hmm. and they want to try and make their money grow use a deal sourcer i'm all for deal sources because i think you guys really i think some of the it's one of those fields that gets a bad name because there's some bad apples out there but i think the good ones need to be acknowledged like yourself so guys i think you do a, i think you do a great job really appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. So, so hats off to you on that one guys your strategy now so i mean obviously you don't want to be deal sources for the rest of your life do you uh we haven't got any plans on exiting deal sourcing at all um okay. we want go on i was going to say i think our initial thoughts were it was going to be short term because our goal was always to build assets and build a portfolio but when we started last year we didn't have the funds to do so so initially it was a short-term business it was so we could build a pot of funds so we could invest but i know it's sort a of few times we really enjoy it and find it rewarding so it's become more of a business that we want to sustain but we want to grow so eventually we're going to come out of it um which is where Sorry, I keep on going. I was going to say, so now we're looking at bringing employees in. I know we're on about VAs. We're actually full-time full time employees into the business. Because at the moment, we will only take on five bespoke clients at one time. So they can have our full attention. So we can manage their refurbs properly. Uh, and they can, they can contact us whenever they need to. But we've got, there's so many others we want to work with. Um that we've spoken to and we've said that once we complete with these then we can we can contact you so we want to bring in people that we can train to do it the way we want it and to keep our kind of morals and um our mission objectives etc etc so i think the sourcing we will eventually become out of the actual running around element but we will continue the sourcing exactly what we're saying earlier we'll be working on it rather than in it Mm -hmm. so yeah 
pretty much what Hannah said, train people to do exactly what we do, but still be the face of the brand. Um, and then, yeah, so that that is a long-term um, element of the business. But then again, we've got our portfolio that we're building as well. And um, and that we want to scale that as quickly as possible, along with our rent to rent. I suppose rent to rent isn't a real long term strategy, um, but the deal sourcing and the um, the investments are definitely a long term strategy. Yeah. Okay, guys. If somebody's out there right now thinking, you know what, I'm uh, I'm going to go down the deal sourcing route, and they don't necessarily want to, you know, reach out to you guys, or they they're talking to deal sources. What kind of advice would you give them? What kind of things should they be looking out for? What are telltale signs of a good sourcer? And what is something alarm bells should be ringing and that they should be staying away, really? I think they should always have an initial call. No no obligations. Um, a lot of deal sources will just might just take a client. You need to work out if you can work together first, which is part of the initial call. So when I have the initial call, first of all, we need to know their, their objectives, what, they, what their goals are, because if, if someone comes to us at the moment, we found our niche, we specialise in vitalettes. If someone came to us looking for HMOs, we're not the right sources for them and we're not going to pretend we are. We would politely say, this isn't our area, we, we can't help you. So I think you definitely need to work out first if, if the person can achieve the goals you're after and if they're reputable, if they're compliant. Um, but then you actually get along with them as well at like your initial call. It should be more of a chat, it should be friendly, you want to get to know each other. It shouldn't be straight to the point, here's my fees, cough up, I'm finding you a property. Um, yeah, so compliance, just the friendly element of it. Um, a lot of our a lot of our bespoke clients that we take on, we introduce to past clients first, so they can have a genuine. We're not involved in the conversation. Go and speak to them, find out what their experience is, ask questions without us influencing the answers. So we do a lot of that. We'll present past past um, deals. Past deals, yeah, and it's also just recommendations as well. I mean, it's amazing what we've got now on Facebook. We've got all these communities in every single area. So, say for example, someone was in Leeds. Um, there'll be a group to do with leads and property and you can just go on there and just say look is there any recommended deal sources around this area and you can just put your feelers out and speak to the investors that you know around that area and Mm -hmm. say do you know any deal sources that you know uh, do things in the right way because there are a lot of people who just do it for you know just for the quick money and they don't really care if they if they give them a deal that's not going to be profitable in their eyes but you know that's definitely the main reason. That, yeah, and Hannah did mention compliance. Didn't you? Yeah. yeah, don't just ask are you compliant and take their word for it. Ask for the actual details. Like on our website, we've got a legal page which gives you all our policy numbers and who we're with so you can yeah. genuinely check we're saying what we're saying is legit. I think what um, investors should do as well is ask for a previous, previous deal information pack to see exactly how much detail is in there because they, if you're trusting someone to secure you a property investment – you need to know they're filling filling you with enough information that that is an informed decision and you are comfortable with that purchase. So look at past uh, past deals, check what comparables and stuff they were given, how much information that you're comfortable that what they provided was uh, was correct. Because the well packs that they jammed full in them. I would say as well, don't always go with the most experienced because a lot of people think right they need to be have done loads and loads of mm. deals and uh, and it leads to look at it and go right. They've got so much experience, I'm going to go with them. Because a lot of the time you'll find the people that don't, you know, have only done a couple of deals or something like that, but they're driven and they're so, they want to make the absolute yeah. best for their client. 
um, that some of them are very, very good deal sources as well. And we, we work with them ourselves because we co-source and we work with these people that have only done one or two deals, but they're so driven to make the best, get the best for their clients that, um, that I would rather, if I was an investor and I was working with a deal, so I'd rather work with them than someone who's done loads mm-hmm. and loads of deals and doesn't care so much anymore. Um, and the only other thing I'd say is get examples of the bill team that they use, get examples of previous before and after photos so you can see their quality of work yeah, yeah. and that their, their refurb cost came in as expected. Oh, that's some really sound advice there, guys. I think uh, that will help a lot of people out because, uh, like I said before, it's, uh, it's one of those industries that's uh, you're either very good or you're just shit and you're just in it to try and make some money. Yeah. Guys, you only source in a particular patch, right? Yes. Yeah. Would you ever consider sourcing in other patches and franchising your business out? Yes, funny we're looking at that now. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funny you should say that. We, like we said, the lockdown has caused us to actually sit down, evaluate where we are, look at where we want to be and kind of bridge that gap and start planning on how we're going to, to get there. Um, a big thing for us is we really do want to grow and we want to be, make Zuba property into a kind of a large business, not just a S2. Um, South Wales is where we do our bespoke sourcing because that's the area that we know really well. And a key thing to sourcing is knowing your area because of one street could be different to, to the next. Um, so we've looked and we wanted to branch out, but we need people in those areas so they have the knowledge um, so I think we're just trying to work out now how we're how we're going to do that and work with people so they still have kind of they represent us correctly and they're the right people and it's the right area because if it's going to be their element of letting go we we've, we 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 we're, yeah because we're looking at areas now Reading for example aren't we go reaching out a little bit to uh, to Reading and there's some some guy that we've been speaking to quite a lot about it but some we need guy. <laughs> some guy <laughs> we want to go through the recruitment process and you know this is a new learning for us this yeah. whole recruitment process so we're, we're going to go through that and um and and see whether he can be the branch of our business there so we're starting to expand in different areas and then so I suppose it's sort of like a pyramid isn't it um, in the way that he can work and then he can start working with people underneath him if we train him to be the manager of that area. So I suppose that's the way that we can sort of franchise into different areas. But that we do we do actually still have an element of working outside of South Wales. And the, re, the way it is, is we do have a mailing list um, that we have actually sold a few deals up north. And the only way we've been able to do that is through our contacts so we've got contacts in places like um, Leeds, Manchester, places like that, where we've got um, co- co-sources, so other sources who we trust and we've met and we know, and they pass us a deal if they can't sell it, and then we'll put it onto our mailing list, and then and then and then our investors will you know invest in that deal yeah. because a lot of our investors are either London or uh, you know outside of the UK, and they'd rather invest in areas they they're not particular on south wales they they just invested in areas especially if it's they just rely on figures they don't care about anything else apart from the figures Mm -hmm. no that's good stuff the only reason why i ask is guys because i'm a strong believer if you've got a good business model uh why not get numbers involved and get it pushed Mm -hmm. out there and grow it quicker than you know two people you can grow it with a massive team or or you two people can just grow steadily so it's nice it's nice to know you're thinking along the same lines yeah, I don't want to be manageable, oh. isn't it? That's that's the yeah. one 
you just don't want to let your baby go, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll find it. We'll Guys, I want to ask you something about the name. How did the name come about for the property company? Uh, got it. Yeah, so it is my. It is actually my surname, but um, but yeah, we were we were thinking about it for a while, weren't we? And uh, it was between Hannah and. I mean, sorry, it was between Robson, which was Hannah's Dugard, and then there was loads of other things thrown around. But we were thinking Dugard is 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 sort of a unique name. So when someone yeah. sees it, they might they sort of think, oh, that that would stick in their brain because they're sort of like, that's actually quite unique. Mm. So for one, it's like it sort of catches people in their tracks. And the second one is um, Hannah said to me at the point she said. Uh, now we have to get married because you're having you're having the name we're having the name Dugard in the company but um but yeah I said I said if we're gonna open this business and it's gonna be Dugard property then there best be a ring on my finger sometime soon because otherwise like <laughs> unluckily he listened oh I love it I love it forward planning forward thinking <laughs> well done well done guys I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up there but I want to find out just sorry want to reach out if Sorry, people want to reach out to you. Where can they connect with you? Where's the best platforms? Are you open for people contacting you for a conversation? Yeah, so we are on most platforms. We're on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, website. So it's Dugard Property on everything. Um, in terms of our LinkedIn, it's Hannah Robson, George Dugard. Um, and yeah, I think that's pretty much, we're, we're, we'll always pick up quite quickly and we yeah. pick up on all platforms. So if anyone wants to get in contact, just contact us on any of them. And you're happy for people to contact you for advice as well? Yeah, of yes, course. of course, yeah. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. I think uh, it's great to hear that because I'm a very strong believer in helping people who are getting started out because it's uh, we all had help from someone at one point and yeah. someone looked at us in a positive way and said, I'm going to help you. Guys, I want to ask you one last question. What's one vice you can't live without? What's one thing you must do that you just cannot live without? One thing I can't live without, chocolate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. um, what's one thing I can't live without? I suppose it's business. Do you mean what? what's one thing that I can't live without? One thing you must do, or it can even be a naughty habit or something that you just have to do. So like a guilty conscience then? That's it, yeah. Pleasure. Yeah, that's um, a guilty pleasure. I don't know why we're finding this so hot. Um... I don't. I, I, I no, we sound boring now. Come on, think something. <laughs> what is our? Oh, uh, mine, mine. I'm trying to think of something different. Mine's red wine. Yeah, I, 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 I think wine. it's just that I, I indulge too much in chocolate. To be honest, like, but yeah, that, that that's very boring, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, trying to think that... Chocolate and red wine. I think that's quite a good combination. Okay. <laughs> I'm, glad you, I'm glad you think it's not too boring. <laughs> I've had some. I've had some people give me some really rude answers that I've had to cut out. So <laughs> I'm glad that that was a little bit tamed down. Okay. But guys, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna wrap it up there and say thank you very much for joining me on this Friday afternoon. And apologies for being late, but my son ran off with the key again. Uh, gonna go and have some words with him now in a moment. Um, and I hope you have a fantastic weekend, guys. And I wish you so much success in everything you do. You're really genuinely really nice people, and I'm glad we're connected and. I'm glad you gave so much value away today and I hope it helps somebody uh, as much as it's helped me today. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much for having really us on. And obviously we wish you the most success as well. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. 
Thanks for tuning in to the J2 Hub podcast with James Sahota. If you like the podcast, feel free to subscribe so you never miss another podcast from James. And if you got value from this podcast, do take the time to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you consume your podcast content from. And remember, you're never too late to become something you truly want to become. <laughs>